let's get real for a second. If somebody tried to kill you, what would you do? Would you fight? Would you flee? Or would you forgive? Could you forgive? Let's tell that story right now. What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the What's My Story podcast. I'm your man, Robert Kennedy III, RK3. That's me. And you know how we do this every week. We jump into some fantastic stories where we share with you pivotal moments in people's and lives, in people's lives that propel them to move forward to the success that they have today. And why do we do that? Well, because we believe in you. We believe that the stories that we share our fuel, our motivators, our inspirators, I was going to say inspirators. Is that a word? I don't know. Maybe it is. Inspirators that help you to move forward into your space of genius, into your space that will allow you to transform the life of somebody else with your story, with your business, with your life. But before we get into the story today, I just want to update you on a couple of things. Every Monday morning, we do a show called the Monday Morning Get Up. And really, that idea, that story, that show is to help you get inspired and just wake you up, give you an injection of caffeine, of inspiration, a quote, a statement, motivation that really helps you move forward with excitement in your day. So join me every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. for the Monday Morning Get Up. It's on YouTube. Check out RK3 TV. There, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Go check out Robert Kennedy 3 on Twitter, on Instagram, and you'll be a part of the Monday morning get up show at 8:30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 15 minutes, just enough to get you keep get you moving. And I've been asked quite a bit about so some some time on my calendar. Sometimes I get the question, hey Robert, can I pick your brain? Can I pick your brain? Well, guess what? I used to be offended by that. <laughs> but now I've been asked that question so much that we decided to provide something for you. So we came up with something called the brain power half hour. Oh, yeah. If you want to borrow my brain for about 30 minutes just to help you move your story forward, to help you grow your business in order to help you create some visibility using your story in your business, go on over to rk3.live forward slash BP30. Okay, rk3.live forward slash BP30. That stands for brain power 30 minutes, brain power half hour. Get it? Got it? Good. Let's do it. All right. So let me share one last thing with you before we move on. Uh, this show is being delivered live to you today and it's on video. And I hope that you're not trying to watch it in your car while you're driving because that wouldn't be great. That wouldn't be safe. That wouldn't be healthy. And we're all about the safety and the healthiness here. And you'll see today we're going to talk about health just a little bit more. So on Thursdays at 7 a.m., we release the audio version of this podcast. You can go ahead and watch this on YouTube. You can go ahead and watch this right now live. But if you want to get a little bit more of the audio goodness that was delivered in today's episode, get over to what's my story podcast dot live and you will have the release of this episode every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. 
Eastern Standard Time. You can check it out on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Go check it out. All right. That's what we've got going on. But what do we have happening today? Ooh, yeah, we've got an amazing story. Jonathan McLernan is a former nanotech researcher. Nanotech. My goodness. I'm thinking about Spider-Man and Tony Stark and all of that stuff. So, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that today. He's a former nanotech researcher, marine engineer, globetrotting English teacher who's visited 45 countries in five continents. He is a former nutrition or maybe he still is nutrition and supplement store earner owner. Jonathan McLernan, what's your story? Welcome to the show today, my friend. Hey, thanks so much. I love the energy. And it's, it's awesome to be here, man. Yeah. Yeah. So glad that you're here. Tell me what's happening in your world today. I mean, actually, let's start out with this. I see this great background behind you. You've got. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is one this, of my uh, favorite countries, actually. This is this is um, from Venice. So I spent about. I was about uh, to say, it, yeah. 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 So I spent about seven months living in Italy during the my wife and I spent about three years traveling around the world. And uh, in that time, we spent about seven months living in Italy. We were um, running English camps, actually. So I was driving all over. But uh, yeah, Venice is, is such a kind of a unique place in and around the world. It, it's well worth visiting. And because uh, yeah. a lot of people don't realize it's actually sinking because they, they draw fresh water from aquifers under the ground. And when they, when you draw that water out and you don't replace it, the, the ground actually starts to sink. And so... Uh. Yeah, wow. it seems like that's the the case for a few different places in on on the earth right now, right? Either it's sinking or yeah. or the water level is rising or something's happening. We got a we got a lot of stuff that is, you know, not cool that if yeah. we're around long enough that, you know, it, it may be scary for some of us, man. Yeah, I feel so, bad for like the San Joaquin Valley. I think it's San Joaquin Valley in California where they have a really big almond yeah. industry and they've pumped all the aquifers dry and it's just sinking and sinking wow. and sinking. Wow. 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 Well, listen, let's jump into your story today because you have a fantastic yeah. story. I think a lot of people, when I go on podcasts to be interviewed, people look back at my history and they say, oh, my gosh, you've got this. You got these turns, this left, these rights, these ups and downs. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not a straight line story. Right. And those are some yeah, of the best yeah. ones. So we're going to talk about yours today. But I think the big thing that I want to start out with is you had this situation where you were almost killed in South yep. Africa. Talk to us about that. How did that come about? Yeah, so we, we in, in our globetrotting sort of world travels, we um, spent some time living down in South Africa. We actually met a South African when we were living in Mexico, and he came to mm -hmm. Poland and, and lived with us over there for a bit. And then he said, why don't you come down to South Africa? My parents are running this, um, it was called Hospitality Youth Initiative. So it was this right. uh, NGO, not-for-profit organization that was helping underprivileged young people sort of build life skills that they can, so they can become more employable because the public education system is really kind of failing South African youth, or it was at that time, mm -hmm. probably still is, truthfully. Um, so we were out working on a nature reserve, and uh, th this is a place that had like an educational facility, had a dormitory for students, uh, you know, yeah. ablution facilities, and then a little instructor's cabin kind of tucked off to the side, nestled in the bushes. Um and so it was one night, uh, it was, it was August 15th, 2011, actually. And, uh, I was walking back from the dining hall. It's a couple hundred feet away. The buildings were kind of in this L shape and our, our cabin is tucked off from the far end, but the furthest one away from where the dining hall was. So everybody's there and, um, it's evening. I'm walking back to my cabin and, uh, you know, I'm in a really great mood. We're really connecting with our students. We're doing some impactful, meaningful work, uh, get to the cabin and the door is slightly ajar. And I should have like 
it's of course in hindsight, I'm like, it should have twigged something in my brain, but it didn't because here we are out in a nature reserve. You got rangers surrounded by, you know, fence, couple hundred acres, so on and so forth. Open the door and there's three guys in there and they're sitting at the table and they're eating these hard biscuits called rusks and drinking rooibos tea. And still my brain didn't immediately go, something's wrong with this situation. Um, because I recognized one of the faces and it turns out he was one of the rangers, but he was off duty, not in uniform. And so the first thought that went through my head was, was there something wrong in the cabin and he was coming by here to fix and you decided right. to help yourself to my rusk? It, it still wasn't clicking because, you know, I, I grew up in Canada and, and like this sort of stuff doesn't really trigger a brain that way. I didn't see the fourth guy. The fourth guy was outside the cabin and it's it dark, it's nighttime. And I got cracked across the head with a rock. And that was wow. the first, like, something's wrong here. You know, and the other three guys, of course, this is all happening in like a very short, like seconds, really. The other three guys jump up, they, they barrel out the door. And I, the thing that sticks out with me is I was wearing a shirt kind of like this, has a, you know, collar, collared golf shirt. And one of the guys, he grabbed me by the scruff of the shirt and he was swinging this rock at my head and he had a smile on his face. And then he went, shh, as he cracked me across the head with this rock. And now like mm. blood is pouring down my face and I'm, I'm stunned and uh, probably slightly concussed at this point, not really sure, you know, now I'm like, what, what the heck is going on here? And I, and I stumbled and I fell cause a couple hits across the head with a rock and yeah, that didn't feel so nice. And th then they kind of just like pounced on me and they started like kicking and stomping me. And the, the intention here is actually to beat you to death. And wow. for, for us, it doesn't really make sense, right? Like why would, why would they do this? But there, there is actually some, I don't want to put it like there's cultural reasons why they chose to do it this way. And I'm saying this now, of course, in hindsight, in the moment, all I'm trying to do is survive, you know, mm. and thankfully, like I'm a pretty big guy. And, and so, I mean, I'm stunned, I'm cussed, I'm hollering for help. Nobody's coming and they're seeming to enjoy this, this, this beating they're laying on me, but I managed to sort of get myself to my hands and my, like my feet and, and sort of stumble and, and, and run towards the, the dining hall, wherever it was. Well, I say run, I was like stumbling and staggering, but for some reason they didn't pursue me and I don't know why, um, but that's probably what what might have even saved my life. The fact they didn't they didn't pursue me at that point, and so we end up getting trapped. Like, I mean, I'm stumbling in. I'm there's blood all over my face. I'm, I'm bruised. I'm beaten. And uh, you know, I say, look, I've been attacked. I don't know how many guys are out there. Like, you know, a lot of things are running through my head in this moment. We, you know, we got all our students back in there. Like, my wife is incredibly brave in all of this. You know, she starts boiling some water. Some of the students push a fridge against the door. Like you know, she starts equipping them with like frying pans or whatever. We're, we're getting set to fight here because we don't know how many people are out there. Right. And so we, yeah, we ended up being trapped there for about 45 minutes and they were trying to break the doors down the shovels. Um, and, uh, before the police actually arrived, which were actually in one sense, fortunate they arrived because the police are kind of inept and corrupt in South Africa. A lot of them, they're just there to collect a paycheck and not get hurt. That's kind of the, the reality of the situation down there. Um, and so that's kind of what happened in a nutshell. You know, I, I, I was concussed. It, was, it wasn't a severe concussion, but I was concussed. I managed to escape. They beat a guy to death the night before. This was wow. this was their intent. Um, looking back, I was like, because it's happened on a Monday, they'd beat a farmer to death the night before and they'd broken into this reserve with the help of the ranger. And uh, so why they even knew that we were there, I don't know. But um, yeah, the, the, the morning of, there'd been like helicopters flying overhead. Yeah. And it... it, it for, for us, we were like, oh, whatever. They're probably just looking for the rhinos or something like that, just keeping an eye on them. What was actually happening is they were looking for these guys because they'd beat a guy to death the night before. But nobody thought to, like, let us know this was happening. 
mm-hmm. you know, here we are with like, you know, 25 students and three instructors, myself, my wife, and another facilitator. Nobody thought to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> There's these people in this area. Wow. And, you know, you should be a little bit more vigilant or things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. In, in a nutshell, like that, that really messed with my head. <laughs> wow. So you, this happens to you and you're not really clear on why it happened. Yeah. It just, you know, just this random sequence of events takes place. And, um, so, but you're living, you, you've got to live with this trauma. You're left with, with this mm. trauma. Um, so after this happens, what do you do next? I mean, there's emotional stuff. There's mental stuff that you're going through. There is, yeah. What is it that you do next with regard to how, how do you deal with this internally? The Well, really, I, I fell into like becoming a binge eating food addict. And mm. I look back and, and I can sort of self-diagnose the behavior pattern. I didn't recognize that was what was happening. Right. But essentially, you know, after going through trauma like this, like I would relive it over and over again. And I would try to rewrite the story. And food became a way to kind of escape or change the channel in my head, essentially. It became my, my powerful like coping mechanism because I could say at least I had the self-awareness not to turn to drugs or alcohol to try and, you know, fix what was happening in my head. Right. But food, food was like the socially acceptable one. And so, like I say, again, it wasn't really with like conscious thought. I didn't set out saying I want to become a binge eating food addict, but it was the behavior pattern that I fell into. And I gained like a significant amount of weight um, as a result of that. And it was probably six months later, like we stayed in South Africa for, for four more months after that incident happened, but multiple things continued to happen. And eventually we had to get out of there because I was like, we're going to have a, we're going to have like a nervous breakdown this, you know, and I was ready to kill people like legitimately. And that's when I knew that like something's really wrong here with, with me and where I'm at because I'm not a violent person. And it was really troubling to have all of these sort of invasive thoughts of vengeance and so on. So we ended up going back to Australia where my wife lives. Uh, You know, I spent some time working on a farm out there, which I think was a great way to psychologically decompress. Um, and then we, we continued on our travels. We went back to Turkey where my brother was living. And it was one night there where I, I just couldn't sleep. I remember getting up at about three o'clock in the morning, not able to sleep. And uh, I was just tired of being angry, tired of being mad about this whole thing, tired of being filled with rage every time I would think about it. And so I made this decision that I was going to forgive these men. Like I, I never saw them again, but I made a decision I was going to forgive them. And that, that you know, it, it sounds like, like, let me put it this way. It wasn't just that, you know, I forgave them and everything was la-di-da. It was every time I thought about this situation, I had to cultivate a sense of compassion for them. How do you do this? And I had to ask the question, what happened to them? What happened to them in their life that got them to the place where they're beating people to death? Wow. Wow. So let's take a break there for a moment because I, I, I really think that this is something that we don't often think about. We, we have traumatic situations in our lives and, and we deal with what we deal with internally, but as, as the victims, but we also, we don't often think about, okay, the people that perpetrated this, what had to happen with them. So you, you, you're going through the thought process. You are still at the place where you're, you're grappling with your diet and your weight gain and, and how you're processing all of this. I want you to walk into um, what's the intersection now of this forgiveness and how you now begin to pivot and make that turn towards getting not just mentally healthy, but physically healthy as well. So let's talk about that after this break. Hey. 
Do you need time to focus on the income-generating activities that grow your business? If so, My Office Professionals is the only agency you should consider. As an Optimum Business Support Agency, we provide virtual administrative support, online group coaching, technology training, graphic design and web design services through our vendor partnerships. We also help you build relationships using send-out cards, and we offer smart, simple legal coverage through Legal Shield. Contact My Office Professionals today and start growing your business tomorrow. Visit www.myofficeprofessionals.com. My Office Professionals with Teresa Robertson is a fantastic company. If you find yourself struggling, you don't have enough arms to make your day work, make sure you check out myofficeprofessionals.com. They've got the arms and the time to help you out in your business. Let's get back to the story. So, Jonathan, so you, you're, you're at this place where you make this decision to forgive these people who have not just hurt you physically, but they've also taken up residence in your brain over time. And because of that, you're now eating, you're, you're a little bit unhealthy. Um, yeah. What happens now? You, for, you decide to forgive them. How do you then start to make that, that right turn, that pivot to getting healthy mentally and physically? Yeah, well, you know, so now I've got I'm I'm 330 pounds at this point, so I'm a pretty big, you know, like I'm I'm pretty heavy, and now I'm wading into this world of like weight loss and diet culture, and it's not really a struggle I've had before because previously I was athletic, and right. so I, you know, we're we're gonna fast forward a little bit, but I went through about six years of like yo-yo dieting and struggling. You name a, a a diet, and I've tried some version of it, whether it's vegan, carnivore, paleo, primal, Mediterranean. None of these things were addressing what was really happening internally. And it was such a frustrating process for me and for anybody who tried to coach me because I knew I needed help. I didn't know what I needed though. And I didn't know what to look for. It's like the unconscious incompetence. I didn't know what I didn't know. And it was about four years ago when I hired a coach and it was kind of a last ditch thing. I was like, if, if it doesn't work with this guy, maybe I'm just uncoachable and maybe, you know, and he asked me this question that I said, it's the question that changed my life. And he said, Jonathan, if you make a list of all the things you love and value, how far down that list do I go before I see your name? Wow. That question really just stopped me cold. Wow. Wow. So what did you do with that question? I mean, you got stopped in your tracks yeah. with the question. I mean, how, how, how does, how do you take that and then begin to make your, yeah. point? because the, what he shone a light on here was the real issue was my relationship with myself, with my body. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd really become sort of this ang like angry towards myself. I'd become very self-loathing and self-despising mm -hmm. because I felt like my body had somehow betrayed me. I went from having been athletic to this, this years of struggle with my weight. And what he was shining a light on was that, that all of these attempts to change my weight were missing the forest for the trees. So I had to learn what does self-love mean? What does self-compassion actually mean? Because it's never something that had really previously kind of entered my my thought process. That, And not only that, I would have thought, I think at that time, self-compassion was weakness. It was right. somehow letting myself off the hook. When really what it was saying is, all this behavior makes sense when you understand what happened to you. And it's not like a moral or a character failing. Your, your brain is driving these behaviors that it's, it's trying to protect you, ironically, yeah. even though, even though that's not actually what's happening. When I started being able to look at myself with compassion, look at my behavior with compassion instead of judgment, 
I was then able to start creating change. And this is what I tell people when I work with them in the realm of weight loss is that compassionate awareness is the first step to change. Yeah. Purposeful action is the next step. But really first we have to become aware of exactly where we're at. What is our present behavior? Why is that behavior occurring? Can we understand it without judging ourselves? Yeah. So I think this is a great journey. I mean, absent the pain, there's there's this journey that you that you've you've been on. You go through this situation with these men, you you have to get to the place where you forgive them and then you go through this process of finding out how to be healthy. Now, you're at this place and you kind of just breezed by this. I hope everybody got this. He said, yeah. <laughs> when I work people now on weight loss, right? So so now you've kind of got this thing that you've turned your perp, your pain into purpose for you. Absolutely. And so you've got this business now. So tell us about how this this business came about. What 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 caused you to start it and decide that you wanted to coach people in this area? I think my own struggles and my own like inability to seemingly connect with a coach who understood me shone a light on the fact that there's like, there's a gap here. There's a misunderstanding around how we, the conversations we're having around health and weight loss. And so I was afraid to tell my story because I thought I was going to be judged by the fact that I don't look like a fitness model, even though I've lost over a hundred pounds and kept it off. I still have, I used to be obese. I have loose skin. I don't, I don't walk around shirtless. I don't flex. I don't, you know, but when I started telling my story, people started connecting with it and going, this guy's going to understand me because he's lived the struggle. Mm -hmm. And so in that, I I started helping people in a different way. And so my company is called Freedom Nutrition Coaching. That's one of my companies. Um, And the name came from a client who said to me, I don't want to live in nutrition prison anymore. Wow. And so the the goal here is because weight loss is really the side effect, right? It's not really what we're doing. If we want to change our, our, our body, our external environment, we have to change what's happening on the inside. And if we want to lose weight and keep it off for good, we have to go through this process of permanent transformation, just like I did. And so really that's what I walk people through. And I, I've, I've kind of coined the term brain-driven weight loss to mm-hmm. identify that there's multiple factors that we take into consideration, but a lot of them start from the brain and our behavior patterns, whether it's our beliefs, our sense of identity, our habits, our mindset, our psychology, all of these factors that lead us to where we're presently at. And we have to make changes at that level if we want to be able to lose the weight and keep it off for good. Wow. So let's, uh, we're in December as we're going live <laughs> and recording this now, and we're getting close. We're about two weeks away from January, 2022. And every yeah. January, January 1st, New Year's resolutions. And without fail, every year, somebody is saying, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose mm-hmm. weight. I'm going to diet. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to do something different this year and for most people you know they're maybe they don't have the traumatic situation that you had that that led them to the weight gain but what is it that people outside of just saying okay yeah i'm gonna try jenny craig i'm gonna try keto i'm gonna try all of these different diets what are the big things or what is one quick step that people can begin to take next year january 1st as the new year's resolutions come up to really begin locking in that that idea of of better health, taking care of themselves, weight loss. Yeah, and resolutions often get a bum rap. I'll just wanted to quickly mm-hmm. say this: they often get a bum rap because yeah. you set them and people tend to fail at them. But right. that and and so, but look, if you if you have a desire to change, that's a great place to be. I don't care if it's New Year's, if it's the first of the month, if it's a Monday, 
there's a desire to change. That's the spark that starts it. I, yeah. I like to tell people that compassionate awareness is where the change happens. So in order to move forward, we have to be able to acknowledge where we're presently at. It's an uncomfortable thing to do because now we're going to shine a light on our flaws, on our struggles, on our weaknesses, on our humanity, really. That can be a very uncomfortable place to be. But if you're willing to sit in with that discomfort, you can now start to create change. So we bring our unconscious and our subconscious habits and behaviors into our conscious awareness. And it could be as simple as, for example, a nutrition coach, you'll have my clients take photos of their meals. We're not counting calories. We're not weighing food, nothing like that. Every time you snap a photo, you're bringing that from your midbrain to your prefrontal cortex. You're bringing awareness to, to your behavior. As you bring awareness to your behavior, you can now analyze it and look at how do we create change. Wow. Wow. That's that's awesome. I mean, I think one of the things that you just mentioned is something that, that I've been guilty of. I mean, I've gone through times where I've seen somebody and they say that they're a fitness trainer and they don't look to me like a fitness trainer because I've created this entire story about them yeah. in, in, in my own brain. So how do you navigate that story that people may tell about you just by looking at you? You mentioned loose skin, et cetera. How do you navigate that story? Just be honest. So yeah. what people need to see is that I'm comfortable with where I'm at that I'm comfortable with who I am, that I have a healthier relationship with my body. Yes, it's yeah. not perfect. Yes, I'm still on my own journey. And I think it's really important to be upfront about that. If I wasn't on a journey, like I'd be dead, you know? Yeah. So really making peace with that fact and letting people see and feel that I'm at peace with where I'm at, because that yeah. then gives them permission to be at peace with where they're at as well. I love it. Jonathan, tell us a little bit more about where we can find you and maybe what you have to offer. How, you, how do you work with and serve people? Yeah. So freedomnutritioncoach.com is, is my website. Um, I also publish a podcast called Between the Before and After. So that's really about telling people's stories because social media just captures a before and after photo and they don't really explore. And that's why I love what you're doing here as well, you know, in, in terms of sharing people's stories, capturing the real essence of what it means to create transformation. Um, and so you can find me anywhere. You can look at Freedom Nutrition Coaching on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, um, Facebook, or uh, check out the website as well. When I work with people, here's what I say. We're forming a collaborative partnership, mm -hmm. two experts. You are the expert of your life and your life experience. And I bring my expertise in nutrition and psychology. Together, we're going to reverse engineer your healthy lifestyle. But you are yeah. going to have an active hand in shaping it. I'm not handing you rules and telling you you have to do what I tell you because that disempowers you and disrespects your autonomy, independence, and strength as a human being. And instead, you are going to actively work with me to shape and create your healthy lifestyle. When you get stuck, when you get triggered, that's why I'm here to help you work through that. Love it. Love it. I appreciate it. Jonathan, hang out in the green room for just a little bit. We're going to wrap this thing up and then I will come back to you shortly. Listen, you may not be at the place that you want to be just yet. You may not be at the place where you're satisfied with who you are just yet. But your story makes a difference. You may not look like a fitness coach. You may not look like an author. You may not look like an actor. You may not even look like a business owner, but the experiences that you go through will make a difference if you will only grab your courage and tell your story. Because when you do that, you can make a difference not only in your life, but in the lives of others. As we say at the end of every episode, everything that happens to you in life is your stuff. Your stuff is your story and your story. Yeah, your story deserves a stage. So get on out there and tell it. I'm Robert Kennedy III, RK3, and I'll see you on the next episode of the What's My Story podcast. Peace. What's my story?